Okay, guys, if you remember in week one, I talked about the kingdom design for marriage. And when we talked about design, guys, everyone paying attention? We're starting now. We're starting. Uh, so if you remember, the, the word for design that we were talking about was like instructions, right? I talked about the IKEA furniture, how you build something according to its instructions, and that way uh, it will work, and it will function, and it will, if it's like a couch or a, uh, you know, a bench or something, when you're done with it, it'll actually hold, it'll hold weight, it will be sturdy. So that's what, um, that's what the Bible gives us for uh, the design for marriage, right? It's something... Uh, an instruction manual, something so we know how to do it, how, uh, what steps we need to take, and we talked about the danger of improvising, right? So I was telling you about how uh, I was building something for Emily, and I wanted to change one piece, I wanted to change, I wanted to improvise and do something my own way, and then by the time I was getting to the end, the last few pieces wouldn't work, it wouldn't fit, it wouldn't, it wouldn't go together, and it wouldn't hold any weight, right? So it's the same with marriage. We're talking about something that needs to be done by the, the instruction manual that God gives us in the Bible. If we try to improvise, um, it doesn't uh, end up working out. And I, I told you guys that marriage is one of those things that you cannot accidentally be successful at. right? You cannot accidentally have a successful marriage. It needs to be something that you plan, that you think ahead, that you work at. So, um, can we turn this fan off? Um, um, I don't think we should sit here in the dark. Maybe next time. Okay, so I talked about marriage. Emily talked about dating last week. She talked about some of the, the designs for dating, the do's and the don'ts. She also talked about some of the plans that the enemy has, some of his tactics for trying to uh, get us out of uh, walking in purity, walking in holiness. And, and basically living uh, the life of abundance that God has for us, okay? So tonight, if we've done two out of the three, the three, tonight we're talking about the design, the kingdom design for sex. Everyone cheer. <laughs> kingdom design for sex. This is week three, right? Week three, that's right. So, yeah, we're going to talk a little bit about sex. We're actually going to cover a variety of topics. What was the, um, sorry, sorry to interrupt. What was the uh, title again? The Kingdom Designed for Sex. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and and we're gonna we're gonna come at it from an interesting angle. I think you guys will be surprised. Um, next week we're actually gonna split boys and girls, and we're gonna talk a little bit more uh, directly. But tonight we're gonna look at a bigger picture, a bigger picture of sex, and and how we can understand what's happening. Uh, in sex outside of marriage and what's happening in uh, with sex inside of marriage. Okay, so all that to be all that to say, the real topic for tonight is desire. When we're talking about sex, we need to go to the root, which is desire. Uh, this is something that a lot of you guys are facing as you are in puberty, coming into puberty. Uh, you have maybe some new desires, right? Some desires that weren't there before. Some desires that are growing. And as we talk about sex, um, and, and it's uh, and God's design for sex inside of marriage. How many of you guys know you're not supposed to have sex outside of marriage? Right? It's kind of a no-no for the design of the kingdom design for sex. Okay. 
So, so if you guys are 15, 16, 17, 18, and you're 20, who said that? 21. You're not 21. <laughs> you're 30. And you are uh, developing new desires, right? If you're developing these new desires and you don't have anything, you don't know what to do with that until you get married. There's some For some of you guys, there's a long gap, right? Between where you are now and marriage, which may be five, ten years down the road. So we need to talk about desire. What do we do with desire? What does it mean to have these desires? Are they good desires? Are they bad desires? Let's learn, right? Let's learn about this. Okay, let's pray. I don't want to forget to pray before we start. <laughs> These girls being distracting up here. All right, let's pray. Is it Kiki? Yeah, it was, yeah. Oh, cool. It's soft. I am your father. Okay, let's pray. Close your eyes. Father, I thank you for this night, Lord. I thank you for these young people, Lord, um, growing and learning, uh, learning to serve you, Lord, learning to to worship you, God. And I just uh, I ask that you would be here tonight to help us learn and grow, um, that we would come away with um, something that can help us, Father, in our journey, in our walk, uh, that we that we would not feel like we're walking alone, Lord, but that we're walking with your guidance and your truth uh, as our light. In Jesus' name, Amen. amen. Okay, so desire. Let's uh, let's start by defining it. Okay, if you guys are taking notes, we're gonna define it. We're just gonna use a simple definition. Desire means to long for, to hope for, or to have a longing or a craving. Also, to definition number two, a sexual urge or appetite. Desire. Yes, I will. Desire means to long for or to hope for, to have a craving or a longing. It is also a sexual urge or appetite. So to better understand uh, desire, I want to jump with you guys to James chapter 1, verse 12 through 14. And if, you, if you want to put it on the screen, you can. James what? James chapter 1, verse 12 through 14. steadfast under trial for when he has stood the test he will receive the crown of life which God has promised to those who love him let no one say when he is tempted I am being tempted by God for God cannot be tempted with evil and he himself tempts no one but each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire then desire when it has conceived gives birth to sin and sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. Do not be deceived, my beloved brothers. Every good gift, good and 
Every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, uh, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. How far did I say? 16? Yeah. Okay, I went a little far. Okay, so what does it say? It says, God doesn't tempt us, right? But we all battle internally with our desires. This is a, a battle that we all face. And as you guys are growing, like I said, you're coming into a new desire, a stronger desire, maybe than you've uh, experienced before. Um, the desires that come through our hearts are, are often um, uh, one of the hardest things to control, right? So we need to understand, how does this work, right? How do our, how do our desires flow? What, how does this uh, happen? How can you wake up one day and find yourself really wanting one thing, uh, and then maybe the next day something else? Some of you guys, um, you know, I'm sure have experienced a, a time when you knew uh, that you should have cared about something, right? Maybe you knew uh, that you had a test coming up that you should have studied for. Uh, maybe you knew you had, like, a, a friend's birthday. Or, or, or maybe you had a friend in the hospital that was sick, and you knew you should be praying for them. And, or, you know, your friend invites you somewhere, and you knew you should go, and you knew you should study for the test, but you don't have the desire. Right? You don't have the desire to do maybe the things that you knew you should do. So desire, it's a, it's a tricky thing. It's a fickle thing. right? Something that I've uh, struggled with a lot in some of the jobs that I've had is, is just not having the desire to do the job that I had. Even though it was maybe a good job or, or you know, it was a stable job, it was something I didn't enjoy. I didn't have the desire to do it. So it made it really hard to do it. And it would have been great. Right? If I would have just been able to make myself have that desire. Right? And, and in the same way, it would be great for us if we could make ourselves produce the desires that we need to be successful. Right? The desires that we need to be motivated or to be obedient. Uh, maybe to, to serve the Lord or you know, read our Bibles. Uh, but we can't. We cannot just produce those desires. We cannot just bring them up. They, they happen on their own. They flow on their own way. So um, let's actually. I'm not gonna not gonna move on yet. So I want to tell you guys a quick story. Um, Emily and I were recently talking to a friend. Uh, we were kind of uh, giving them counsel and advice. And it was a friend who is dating someone who has a boyfriend. So we were talking to a girl, and and they she was telling us about a time that she went swimming with her boyfriend, and. And they were swimming, and it was like a pool, a public pool, and there was other girls around with them, other girls at the pool. And she was telling us uh, that she noticed that her boyfriend was checking out these other girls, just like, you know, maybe at first, like a little glance. And then, you know, throughout the whole time that they were there, it was like she noticed her boyfriend could not stop himself from looking over and checking out these other girls. And... So I think she told us that she had kind of, like, while they were hanging out, she didn't say anything. She just got really serious, really upset. And then later, after they left, she confronted him and said, you know, what, what was that all about? Why were you doing that? Why, why, why did it seem like you couldn't control yourself? Right? And he said, I don't know. He said, I don't know. I, it, it makes me feel bad that I did that, right? Because uh, he didn't really know that she noticed, but he said, it makes me feel bad that, that you caught me, 
in that, right, that's the truth. <laughs> it makes me feel bad that you caught me, but it also makes me feel bad that, that you have to, because basically the girl was saying, now I have to like compare myself to these girls because you weren't really paying attention to me, you were paying attention to these other girls. So, so he felt bad about that, right? So his, his, his heart was to, to love the, the girl, to, you know, he cared about her, he didn't want to be acting this way. But he had this desire, right? He had this desire, this thing that kept pulling him like a fish hook, right? Pulling him, turning his head to go and, and check out what was happening over here and 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 to investigate, right? Investigate. <laughs> yeah. So so it's a, it's a desire, right? It's a desire that he was battling, that he was facing, that he couldn't control. So I want to uh, jump to... Um, you read James. Uh, Proverbs. Proverbs 4, 23. <clears throat> okay. Oh. That's not my verse. has a bunch of uh, really good different tra- translations, but I'm going to read a few of them. It says, Guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. Everything you do flows from it. Um, I don't know. I have it I have it on my screen here. Type. So there's. I'm going to give you guys a bunch of different translations, and you can pick whichever one really connects with you the most. It says, uh, Guard your heart above all all else for um, everything you do flows from it also it says for every for from it flows the springs of life for fl- uh, from it flows the issues of life also it says guard your heart above all else for from it flows life also it says guard your hearts above all else for your um, for it shapes your thoughts and also says it is the wellspring of life I don't know if you guys have ever seen a, a well or a spring in the woods um, or somewhere. Uh, I have, uh, one time, I was, I was just telling Emily the story. I, I had this really cool friend when I was in, like, middle school. And you guys know that, I, maybe you know that I like to go out and run around in the woods, and I've always been like that. And so this this kid, um, he grew up, and he, he had a lot of property. His, his parents had a lot of property. And so when I would go over to his house, we would go and do all these crazy things. Like he had a rope swing in his backyard, and we would do a rope swing into a pond, you know, like you see in the movies. And he had this weird thing where, like, <laughs> where uh, there was, like, this log. But, like, if you lift it, lifted up the log, you could, like, climb into this hole, and it was, like, an underground pool. But it was because he had, uh, on his property, he had a spring. He had a natural wellspring on his property. Right, and so besides the spot where the log was, where you could like swim, kind of, um, there was this just other weird spot where it was like you'd just be walking in the middle of the woods, like completely flat, dry, and he would just kind of like dig out one little spot, and there would just be water just coming right up out of the ground, but not really going anywhere, right? Not creating a 
a lake or a pool. It was just water coming out of the ground like a like a water fountain. And so he would just kind of dig a little bit and then just drink straight out of the ground. Like like straight lips to the mouth, like lips to the ground. And, and he would just drink. And I, I did it too. Because <laughs> he's like, yeah, this is clean water. This is fresh water. This is a spring. This is... This is just pure, right? And so the Bible says this in, in Proverbs. It says, guard your hearts above all else. What, what translation do you have? Oh, I don't like that one. Yeah, guard your hearts above all else because it is the wellspring of life. It is the wellspring of your life. Huh? Yeah, but... It wasn't as clear. <laughs> it wasn't as easy. So, so if, if our heart is like this spring, right, like I was describing to you, my friend's property, and, and out of it comes life, right? Well, what happens if what is coming out of your spring is something bad, right? What if it's something unclean? What if it's something dirty, like bitterness? or lust, or anger, or, you know, impatience? What if it's uh, something that you don't want in your life, like the boy who was at the pool with his girlfriend, and he couldn't stop looking the other way, he had a, he had lust coming out of his, his spring? Well, how do you fix it, right? How do you, how do you get down there and, and change the water out? Well, that's going to be really hard. It's not like the water cooler that we have here, right, that you just... Take the take the the bucket off or whatever. Take the thing off, the jug, and go get a new one and and slap it on. Uh, it's going to be much harder to go down and treat deep down what's going on. So so that's uh, really the the topic for tonight is desire because as you guys are growing into these times of your life where you're going to be making important decisions, uh, life directing life-changing decisions, you need to know how to keep your wellspring clean, how to keep your wellspring coming up with life and not with death, right? I was looking at a little bit of uh, statistics. Um, actually, before we get to the statistics, I was listening to a podcast today, and it was a guy talking about leadership, and he was talking about um, how <clears throat> our habits... Uh, impact or direct 90% of our lives. And it was actually interesting the way that he had studied it, the way that he had developed this theory. He wrote a book because our actual habits are like 30 or 40% of what we do, right? So what we, the way that we behave is actually 30 or 40% habitual, which means that every time when you come home, you do certain things in the same exact way, right? You take your shoes off in the same way, you typically leave them in the same spot, probably not where they're supposed to go, Emily. <laughs> there are, um, you know, when you wake up, you shower a certain way, you get dressed a certain way, when you get to work or when you get to school, you you do th certain things out of habit, right? When you pick out your clothes, when you shop, when, the way you spend your money, it's all habitual. It all happens in a pattern, cyclically. So there's that. That's 30 or 40%. But then those habits take you to a place, a certain place in your life, and, 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 and you wouldn't be there if you didn't have those habits, right? So, for example, if you, if you are uh, arriving at school, 
and you have a certain habit of going to see your teacher, maybe your science teacher, uh, every morning because you want to check on the homework or something like that. If that's your habit, that's going to be, you know, in that 30% category. Are you guys still with me? Yes. Okay. So you go every day to go see your teacher, and then because you're there, because you have that habit, you have another certain range of, of opportunities, right? Because you're there, so you're learning more. Maybe you're surrounded by people that are learning more, and maybe you're, you're exchanging information and you're studying together. So that, because you had that habit, it put you in that place, and then it changed your, your atmosphere. So that's up to 90% of your life is determined by your habits, okay? So I was reading some statistics today, and it talked about how um, when people get out of jail, um, every, every year in the, in the U.S., there's I don't know how many people that get out of jail get freed, right? They, they finish serving their time. And then out of those people, 76.6% of those people end up back in jail within three years. 76%. It's the same, yeah, it's a lot. It's the same with um, like women that are abused or battered, right? A lot of them will go back to those relationships that says seven times before they decide to leave. That's, that's a lot. Why am I telling you all this? Why am I telling you this about the habits? Why am I telling you this about uh, the statistics? Thanks. It's because if our if our wellspring determines our thinking, that the way that we make our decisions, that forms our habits, right? And like these prisoners who 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 get out and then they go right back in, it's because their wellspring hasn't changed. They've been in, in behind bars or whatever. They've been confined, but their spring hasn't changed. Women who, who are abused and, and hurt, and then they come out, and then they go back, it's because their spring has not changed. They have the same desires. They have the same weaknesses. They have the same wounds. They have the same uh, you know, sickness, whatever the case may be. So we have to understand how to keep our wellspring clean. I'm trying, I'm trying to give you guys really... And understanding of why does the Bible say, above all else, above everything else, keep yourself clean, keep your heart clean. Because I know that you guys all struggle with um, really, really applying or or understanding why is this important, right? So some of you guys wonder, why does it really matter the type of music that I listen to? Why does it really matter... Uh, you know the the people that I talk or the people that I surround myself with, or why does it matter the way that I talk? Well, because all of those things are feeding your spring. All of those things are feeding your well. And if there's uh, if there's an issue, it's difficult to get in and clean the well. Okay. So I want to go into we're going to transition this topic a little bit into marriage and and uh, sex. So let's go to Genesis three. You guys following with me so far? Yeah. Okay. Three what? Uh, three sixteen. Uh, Genesis three sixteen. Okay. 
I told you this would be surprising. Are you kind of like, are you going to connect that? Yeah. <laughs> Me too. Okay, everybody there? Can we focus back? Okay, so I want to come here to Genesis, the beginning of it all, right? Guys? We're, co- we're coming back to Genesis because I want to go to the root for you guys of some of the challenges of marriage and dating and sex, right? And a lot of that took place, a lot of the foundation was built in the beginning with Adam and Eve, the very first humans. We can learn a lot from, from what happened there in the garden. Excuse me. Okay. So at this stage of the story, we're, we're picking up in chapter 3. This is after everything has happened with the, the fruit and the snake. So Eve uh, took the fruit. They both sinned. Um, now this is God talking to the serpent, talking to Eve, and talking to Adam. And he's giving each of them their punishment for the sin that they committed. Okay. So he already spoke to this, the serpent. We're not going to talk uh, about that section. It doesn't really pertain to what we're focusing on. What he says to the woman is important, okay? It's it's really interesting. So, again, there are um, a lot of different translations to this that are valuable. Um, so I'm going to read a few. I'll read the one Emily picked up first. It says, Then he said to the woman, I will sharpen the pain of your pregnancy, and in pain you will give birth, and you will desire to control your husband, but he will rule over you. Okay? I'm going to read another um, translation. It says, Your desire shall be contrary to your husband, but he shall rule over you. Uh, then it says also, Your desire will be to control your husband. Your desire will be for your husband, but he will rule over you. You're, you will long for your husband, but he will rule over you. Okay? So it's an interesting thing happening here. It's an interesting thing. As uh, With the curse, he says, You will have painful pregnancies and painful childbirth. Okay, that's pretty straightforward. And then he says this interesting thing about you will desire your husband, but he will rule over you. So there's two points that I want to make from this. And and I don't believe, so there's a lot of uh, opinions about this verse. Um, I don't believe that it needs to be one or the other. I think there are two points that we can pull from this verse, and I think they both apply. Um... But it says this. So as uh, as a punishment for their sin, uh, God cursed uh, women, and and so with the the curse, they have number one a longing and a desire for the companionship of man, uh, the completion of man, and the connection to be with a man. Right. So the the verse says, you will long for your husband. You will long for him. You want the companionship, the completion, and the connection. To be with a man, right? Um, and then it says, but he will rule over you. So for this reason, we find a lot of girls battling in your age range, in this topic, right? Dating, sex, waiting for sex, or waiting for marriage. You, you battle for this reason. Because you have this desire, right? To be with, with a man, to be completed, to be comforted, to be connected, right? But the man does not have the same desire. The man has a different desire. So that's why we see women 
who, who battle in the flesh with their sexual urge, sexual desire, but also the emotional desire, right? So you have, uh, you know, the desire to be intimate. That's why women have a reputation for being needy, right? Or clingy. And it's because... Don't look at me like that. It's because... <laughs> right? Why, why do men typically not have that reputation? It's because of this. Women have the desire to be loved, to be needed, to be wanted, to be comforted and connected with. But men, it says, he will rule over you, which means he will not return your affection. He will not return your, your desire for intimacy, your desire for connection. So we see women women who who are wounded, right? So women who have the the spring that is not healthy, the spring that is not clean, right? If it's not life, it's a death. So if you have a spring with coming up with death, like, you know, uh, root of rejection or loneliness or bitterness or whatever the case may be, and then you're in this stage of life, what are you going to look for under this curse? You're going to look for some, a man or a young boy because... <laughs> <laughs> the age that you're in, right? You're going to look for a young person to to reach out to, right? To to find peace, to find comfort in their arms. So that's it's a curse. It's a curse. That's the desire under the curse. Okay? Um, men's battle, the, the men's battle on the other side is also physical and emotional. Physical because of the sexual urge and the sexual desire, but also emotional. Because um, uh, they have the desire to rule over the woman, right? So they have the desire to use the woman to, to make them feel important, to make them feel, to, to inflate their ego, to make them feel big. Um, you know, if the same thing. If the spring is dirty, if the spring is not life coming out of you as a man, as a young man, then you're going to have the urge to... You know, sleep with a girl, not talk to her, not talk to her anymore. Sleep with this one, not talk to her. You know, be talking to multiple girls at the same time, doing all this player stuff, right? That's because that's obvious. That's what we see is the reputation of a man is to not respect the woman, but to rule over her, to use her, abuse her, and then throw her away. So the verse can easily be read in that way. Your desire will be for your husband, but he will rule over you. He won't have that desire returned for you. Okay. The other, the other definition, the other uh, point uh, connects with this translation. It says your your desire will be to control your husband, but he will rule over you. Okay. So so this so the two points are actually they kind of complete the whole picture in my opinion, because the first point I gave you talks about life before marriage, right? And then once you're in marriage, I believe this point becomes more clear. It says that um, God set Adam and Eve up in, in the garden with the man as the head and the woman as his partner. And, and we see in this verse that uh, with this translation of the word that the woman's curse is that she would try to take the men's the man's headship right we talked about the the kingdom design for marriage and the curse is that the woman would try to go over his head and take control of the situation and on the same side on the on the other side of the coin it says that the man will 
be will try to rule over her, meaning he will not be a faithful leader. He will not be a gentle leader. He will not be a loving leader. His desire is uh, to rule, but not to lead. You guys understand? So there's two points happening here. And and if you guys are curious, um, it, well, this is actually really important, not if you're, cur- if you're curious or not. <laughs> um, in Genesis chapter 4, verse 7, if you can, if you can go there. Emily. Genesis 4, verse 7. So this is God talking to Cain in the next chapter in, in Genesis. Um, and we see that same exact phrasing, the same words, the same translation. And this is where, really where we get uh, the, the, the second definition of what we are talking about just now. It says, uh, you'll be accepted if you do what is right, but if you refuse to do what is right, then watch out. Sin is crouching at the door, eager to control you, but you must subdue it and be its master. I like my translation a little better. Let me see. It says, if you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door. Its desire is contrary to you, but you must rule over it. Okay? So it's the same exact wording as the, the curse for Eve. And, and it, what it says is this. Sin, sin desires to control you. Right? Sin desires to be uh, in your spring, let's say. Sin desires to control your spring, which controls your life. But you must subdue it and be its master. Okay, so the curse exists. This this curse that, that God put on Adam and Eve and humanity exists. It still continues. We still see it. We still see it play out. We still see people suffering from the same dynamic. Single or married, uh, you know, marriages that are just torn apart, ruined, destroyed because... The woman's trying to control the man. The man's sleeping around. The man doesn't want to, you know, whatever. It's all still there. But under Jesus, we have freedom from the curse. We have we have freedom from these consequences. Okay, so let's turn to Romans chapter 8. This is a great, great verse. Uh, I mean, a great chapter. There's... I'm not sure exactly what I'm going to read because it's all really good. Maybe I'll read it all. Romans what? Romans chapter 8. Okay, I'm just going to I'm just going to read until I feel good. <laughs> um, I might read like the first 9 verses. It says this. Just listen guys, just maybe close your eyes and just whatever helps you focus. Just listen up. You feel like you're going to pass it out? Okay, keep your eyes open. It says, There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the Spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. That's this, right? So we're talking about the, the curses that were broken. The curse of sin, broken. It says, For God has done what the law weakened by the flesh could not do. By sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh... And for sin, he condemns sin in the flesh, in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us, 
who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. Okay, I should have started with five. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. For to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the Spirit is life and peace. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God, for it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. Cannot please God. I don't know if you guys have ever been on vacation, like a long vacation. (laughs) Or maybe like you've been at your friend's house for a long time. Like like too long. You guys ever been on vacation for too long or like been with your friends for too long? Yeah. Yeah. And sometimes you're having fun, right? Like usually you're doing fun stuff. Like for me, uh, a good vacation is like you're eating good food. You're relaxing, so you're just not really working hard. You're you're relaxing, you're enjoying yourself. Maybe you're hiking, maybe you're watching movies, maybe you're exploring a new place, right? Um, but something always happens for me on vacation, and it always happens around the second or third or fourth day, depending on the vacation. And, and I always just really start to get bored. I really start to get bored and I get antsy. And for that reason, sometimes I don't really like vacation because it completely takes me out of my routine, right? It takes me completely out of my routine. I don't have my drive to work where I'm praying and and listening to worship music. I don't have my all the time that I usually spend at work listening to teachings or preachings or podcasts or whatever. I don't have, you know, my time on my, my commute home. I don't have my time before bed to connect with the Lord. I don't have all this stuff. Um, I, I don't have my Monday nights to come here and teach you guys. I don't have my Wednesdays to come and listen. I don't have my Sundays, right? So so vacation is always hard for me because I just get really bored. I get really antsy. Uh, you know, eating good food is always good. Like, that's pretty much never gets old. Uh, but, like, watching movies one after another or or, you know, just, like, even just being around the same people for too long. <laughs> Whatever the case may be. Are you suggesting something? <laughs> Whatever the case may be, right? Sometimes you just get sick of, even though you're having a good time, right? Same with your friends. You're at your friend's house. You guys are staying up late, watching movies, sleeping in. You wake up late. You're just eating junk food and whatever. And you're just chilling. Life is easy and life is good and it's summer. But you guys know what I'm talking about? When you start to get that aching feeling like this is just kind of empty right like this is just kind of bored like I'm not doing anything I'm not I'm not accomplishing anything Uh, I'm not building anything I'm not working towards anything I'm not helping anybody Uh, I'm really not building any relationships or anything else Uh, so it starts to get boring well that's what I believe uh, is that I believe is an indication of, of who we were really created to be and what we're really created to do. When I'm at my feeling my best, it's when I'm here teaching you guys or the weeks that I have to prepare for teaching you guys or camps or things like that. Um, I'm the kind of person that I really like to build things and like uh, create things. So could be creating something like uh, artistic or creating a teaching for me is very artistic. Um, you know, 
coming up with a strategy for a camp or or whatever the case may be. These are all things that, to me, feed my soul. They feed my spirit. Uh, and the number one reason is because I know that I'm pleasing the Lord. I know that I'm connecting with the Lord. I know that I'm building relationship with the Lord. Uh, and it's satisfying. It's satisfying, and it's always satisfying, no matter you know how, how big or small it is. It's always satisfying to please the Lord. So when we're talking about desire, and when we're talking about not having desire to do the things that we want to do or that we need to do in life, it's typically because we're not doing anything to please the Lord. It's because those desires that we have, the enemy will use our desire in one of two ways. He will either place it on something else that is not God, right, or others, so he won't let you serve, and he won't let you worship God or, or please the Lord. He'll put it on something else. Typically, that something else is yourself, right? So he'll give you the desire to please yourself. And and that's the danger of being in this window that you guys are in, right? You guys are 15 through 21, 20. And, and you have the desire... Maybe to serve the Lord, but maybe you have the desire just to please yourself, right? And you have a long way to go. But I want to read this for you again, guys. Listen up. It says this, For to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the spirit is life and peace. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God, for it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. Okay, so um, next week we're going to go deeper into what does it mean to be in the flesh? What does it mean uh, to be in the spirit, right? But for now, I want you guys to have this reminder. If you, if you don't have the desire to do the things that you know you should do, like remain pure, remain holy, this verse tells you exactly what to do. It says, set your mind on the things of the spirit. Set your mind on the things of the Spirit. Connect with the Lord. Pray. Read your Bible. Worship. Do the things that make you feel connected to God. If all you're doing is things that please yourself, you're going to have a trouble with your with your spring. Okay? Um, okay, we'll stop there. Uh, let me pray. Do you have a question? Yeah, like you were saying that there's two ways the enemy uses your desires and you said it one. It's to, to either take your desire off of God okay. or to put it on yourself, oh, okay. which are typically one and the same thing. Yeah. You have another question? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You can pass those out.
va a preguntar. Sí, ¿Qué? Ahorita te va a decir, si no tienes una, no la Si tienes, If you have one, then you then you you write it. If you don't, Sorry, tell you. What is that? It was an app. I was trying to turn on this really calming music.